0: The Google Podcast app is going away in April. Right now, I want you to take a look at the podcast app you're using right now. Maybe it's time for a new one. Check out podcastapps.com and try a new one for free right now. That's podcastapps.com. Three, two,
1: Woo! and showtime. Good morning, Next Nation. It is Friday, July 17th. I'm Sean Kelly with the world's biggest Toronto Blue Jay fan, Orlena Kane. Good yes. morning, OC. Good morning, yeah. Go Jays, go. <laughs> Getting so excited for their exhibition game next Wednesday.
0: Orlena Kane has been a morning show co host on Quinty Broadcasting's Mix 97 in Belleville, Ontario, for the past 11 years. But there's a lot more to the former The Shopping Channel host than what you hear on air. Kane is also the author of two books inspired by her own colorful dating history. That drew her into the world of audiobook narration. And with over 100 books voiced in addition to the radio show, the motivation was sparked to seek balance. So she's also training as a yoga instructor. On this episode of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, we welcome Orlena Kane to talk about how to get into the audiobook narration business, escaping your comfort zone and taking time to slow down.
1: I'm Marlena Kane, co-host of the Mixed Morning Show, Mixed 97 in Belleville, Ontario, and I've been here for the past 11 years working as a morning show host, but that is not where I started my career, was not in radio, surprisingly enough, Connie.
0: Where did it start?
1: This is the fascinating thing. My career started um, in spokesmodeling and being a spokesperson when I was 21 and 22 years old, uh, living in Toronto working as a spokesmodel, working at car shows, uh, speaking on platforms about various things from cars to computers to a variety of different national products and dabbling a little bit in voiceover work back in the day when it was just starting to really kind of be known. And that's like mm, 28, 29 years ago when it really became known as, as, as a profession. And I started doing a bit of voice work back then and didn't really get into it till later when I was 29, when I was uh, taking a university course at York University. And the program director there said, Hey, you have a great voice. Would you like to do a show on the cutting edge, CHRY? It's a one hour show from nine to 10 on the radio. You can do whatever you like, you have a whole open platform to. Uh, speak about whatever you want. You can have whatever guest you want. And I thought, this is an amazing thing. You mean I can have any guest I want? So I immediately dug into the world of entertainment that I had kind of immersed in the past 10 years from 20 to, to, to 29. And I started interviewing Maestro Fresh West, which was like the godfather of hip hop, um, Claire, and a ton of different people that were in sports and entertainment. And I just was interviewing everybody for that one-hour show, and from there, I kind of started applying to radio stations and ended up as a radio traffic reporter for just about every radio station across Ontario, working out of Toronto with Skywards Traffic, and I did that for about four and a half years. And all the while, up until that point at CHRY and then with Skywards, I had never really considered my voice something that was a viable tool to make money with. Just everybody had always said, you have a great voice, but that was it. (laughs) I was like, you have a great voice, but nobody ever told me really what I could do with it or the expanse that it could go in. And from where I was then to now has been really quite a journey to that. I would have never even thought where I started that I would end up where I am now, because I think that's the journey and the road that everybody goes on. You, you take a step forward and then you just keep walking down the road. And eventually you end up in a totally different destination than you ever thought possible. You know, it's like, you go right, you go left, you go right, you go left. And next thing you know, you're standing in a place you never, you never dreamed of actually being. And I left radio traffic and packed all my belongings up and every, and, and sold everything I owned. And I moved to Ireland And I had dreams on working for Sky Network over there. So they're a big network in the UK. And um, I was living in Cork at that time, trying to get my foot in the door in Dublin uh, with Sky Network. And I'd visit them on a couple of different occasions. And love took me over to Ireland. And uh, essentially, the lack of love brought me back to Canada. So about six months later, I found myself going back to college for television broadcast and radio broadcast, because up until that point, I had not had any actual formidable education. I had just been learning as I went from York University being taught how to use the boards. And we're talking about, you know, back in the day with carts. And that was only... 20 years ago with carts and commercials and, you know, it was so much more complicated than now it's so much more simplified and streamlined. And I was literally just educated hands-on, which I loved. And, and, and I'm a big supporter of that, but going back to school at the age of 33 in radio and television broadcast and taking a two year course in seven months, graduating with honors landing an internship at ET Canada And then actually working for ET Canada as a chase producer behind the scenes. And from there landed my dream job at that time uh, was to work on a national network. And I ended up working for Rogers, the shopping channel. So nowhere in my idea of moving to Ireland was that I'm going to sell everything I own and move to Ireland, come back with nothing but two 150 pound boxes of stuff and about $5,000 left in my savings account and have no idea what I was going to do at that point that I would end up on a national network less than a year and a half later. It's just mind-blowing what you can do with your life when you do let go of everything and you literally have nothing but what you truly want for yourself staring, at, staring back at you and what are you going to do about it.
0: Right. I think there are a lot of media people who'd like to branch out into other things like you have, how mm-hmm. how did you decide that you were going to get into writing? So, uh,
1: landing the job at the Shopping Channel and then the first two years of my career here at Quinny Broadcasting as a morning show host, I actually lived between the two cities, kind of back and forth. And my my tenure here through my whole life, I've I've sort of been a romantic, and i had always been the woman who would you know, I was always the love story girl. We'd sit around a campfire, sit around a table and people would, with glasses of wine and women would always say to me, tell us a story, tell us one of your dating stories because I had so much experience in that dating world and I had always felt like I was just one of those unlucky in love kind of girls where I just, you know, would have a guy and then it would break up and then it would fall apart and then I would move on. And I would, you know, as the end of every relationship would happen, a new hope would come along for the next one. And my friends had always told me along the path of my life from the time I was 20 up until five years ago, they would always say, you really should write a book. Like (laughs) the stories you can tell, you really should write a book. And at the end of an engagement five years ago, I you know was fired up like most women who are impassioned by something you know they say hell hath no fury like a woman scorned um well I was not really scorned but I was definitely fired up after the last kind of engagement breakup that I wanted to write these stories down and write about love loss the journey Of a a woman who is focused on her career, on a woman who's very impassioned by her life pursuits and her goals, and kind of how love kind of befell or just kind of always sort of escaped my hands at one turn or another. And as I wrote this book, a second book sort of emerged right after because at the end of the first one, everybody was like, "Okay, and so now what? What's going to happen to you? I was like, I don't know, but let's see what happens. And then the journey started to write a second book. And from that, I've been dabbling, you know, before COVID, I started to embark on a third book. And really, kind of was like, oh, got hit with co- hit with the COVID pandemic, like we all did, and that kind of put a kibosh on the exploration of the world and and my plans of traveling and kind of doing a Julia Roberts kind of thing, you know, just like uh, you know, traveling the world, writing about stories and 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 relationships or friendships and, and connections, because I feel that throughout all of the stories. There is a connection that shows to yourself with each relationship or each event or experience that happens in your life. There is a moment where you have an awareness about yourself and a connection to who you truly are and who you do not want to be. And it's in those lulls and moments in between, maybe our relationships or friendships or when things fall apart, the greatest discoveries are usually at the, the threshold of despair in anything, the loss of a job, the loss of a relationship, the loss of a loved one, when you truly kind of have that opportunity to to look at yourself in the mirror and and see who you truly are. And it was in those books that that I've written that I wanted other women to kind of look at themselves with a more forgiving and more compassionate lens to realize that any story that happens to you or anything, any experience, a job that you have, a job that you lose, a relationship you have or lose, it's it's all about, as cliche as it is, it really is about the journey back home to who you are.
0: I'm really interested in the whole process because you're basically a one-woman franchise now. You've got books, you've got audio books. Where did all of this creative confidence come from to forge ahead, With all of these projects.
1: You know that saying, Connie? It's like blind faith. Like you just don't know anything other than to just keep moving forward. For me, uh, the world really is open for us all to have what we want. If we're willing to make the sacrifices, and they can be great at times in your career. For me, not having children, not really having a husband or marriage, and and in those moments where you just have just yourself, it's like you know you can achieve whatever you want if you're willing to put that time and energy into it. And for from the books, when I when I started writing the books, uh, the first book I wrote, I thought to myself like at the end of it, like whoa, like gosh, I'm really putting myself out there. Um, but this is the truth. Like this is who I am, and I can only be proud and be happy with who I am, as other people would read it, they, they would feel less shame about themselves and kind of say, oh, you know, well, if she feels that way, you know, I can feel that way too. And it's that feeling about life and career from the writing that trickled into narration. Because when I finished writing the, the first book and then I finished writing the second book, I thought, well, I should probably narrow, you know, narrate those books. So I went online to ACX and I saw that you can hire a narrator if you want, or you can do it yourself. So I read through the things and uh, embarked. And Now I listened to my first book that I narrated and I wish I could go back and re-narrate it because after doing 110 books in the past 15 months, and that's just a start, I thought to myself, whoa, I really <laughs> I didn't know a lot about narration in that first book more so in the second book. But I, I did the first book, I narrated, I put it out. And from that, I thought, okay, well, I'll put up my samples on ACX and just see, maybe maybe there's other people that would be interested in me narrating their books. So I put up different uh, snapshots of my my book, as well as some commercials I did on air, and maybe a few little bits, interviews that I did on the morning show, just so people could get a feel of my voice. And next thing you know, I got a book, and the guy the client was from Italy, and then I got another book, and then I got another book and then and then pretty soon, I was doing three books a week. And three books a week is the equivalent to that's thirty thousand words per book. So it's almost a hundred thousand words a week, which uh, translates into eighteen hours of talk time, like reading time. For every thirty thousand word book that's a three-hour listen, it takes a narrator approximately six hours to do. And I learned all of this sheerly just by my own trial and error and knowing my voice and narrating a book and, and, and speaking a sentence and then knowing, like, no, that wasn't quite right. Rewind, like edit, go back. So I started editing, producing, voicing the whole book and doing it in just under six hours. And so I s- built a clientele across Europe, really. I've essentially got clients in the UK and in Italy and Spain. And a lot of these books are in different languages translated into English. So I also found myself leaning on my the English uh, side of my experience where you know, really good in English in in public school, high school, really good in English in in college and and journalism, obviously being a broadcast journalist, your your radio television. Journalist, so you have to know how to write. So I literally just kept going. I would get a book and get another book, and I was doing cook. I've done cookbooks, I've done self help books, I've done books on relationships, I've done books on hypnosis, um, I've done books on just about every type of non fiction book that's out there. I didn't really think that 110 books in 15 months was was a lot. I thought, well, you know, I could probably do a book every 2 to 3 days. So there's 365 days in the year, you know, 52 weeks in the year. Like I should probably I could probably do 150 in 2021. But of course with COVID, there was a bit of a lag and drag as soon as like COVID hit, it started to slow a bit, but still, you know, the numbers were there. So most of that 15 months was a part of COVID. So 110 during a slow time. I figure in 2021 when things start to amp up a bit, It will uh, be even more. But the broadcasting side of our our careers as broadcasters, whether radio or television, particularly if you work in the radio industry, because you have to have a strong voice. It's not so much what you look like, which is what I, I would lean on in TV. I never really thought that I would end up as a
0: narrator.
1: But you just never know where your talents and skills can take you unless you give it a try put yourself out there, right?
0: Is narration basically just exercising a different broadcast muscle? Has that been your experience?
1: Exactly, Connie. It 100% is exercising a different muscle. It's It's like any competitive athlete that wants to perform in one medium and then just shifting into another. When you transition from a radio broadcaster into a narrator, not everybody is going to make that transition easily, nor is it actually feasible for everybody. It depends on a lot of things to do with your voice, your aperture, your speaking ability, because some radio broadcasters or hosts are great storytellers, but not in the medium of a narrator because the narration process is about slowing it down, reading the words and letting the words speak versus you speaking, which is what a broadcaster does. So we, we just speak off our top of our head and off the bit of, or whatever you might be doing. But for narration, reading the words on a page, it really does fine tune you as a broadcaster. Being able to really hear how you speak words and how you pronunciate, enunciate, uh, how much wetness is in your voice, how you're using your diaphragm, so many of these things that you're not really aware of when you're kind of just, you know hashing and, and you know bantering with a, with a colleague on air, or if you were reading the news as a news anchor. Uh, You're just kind of reading it verbatim versus a narrator needs to have emotion in the words and enough to convey the story, but let the story speak for itself. So it's just a little bit of a twist and some can actually do it really well, but it does take a lot of practice and you have to enjoy being alone by yourself in a studio for hours and listening to your self-talk and really being able to tune in to hear and be critical of your voice and say to yourself, no, that wasn't a good take. You know, it's really having a sharp, sharp ear. So it comes along with that as well. And I feel that even in my morning show gig, I find that my delivery has sharpened even on how much to say. Sometimes you don't need to say as many uh, words as, you thought you did to convey your idea or get your point across right it's really an interesting narration is just such a wonderful thing that i fell into and that i would welcome other broadcasters to get into because there are so there are thousands of books out there of people's stories that want to be told uh different languages that's been translated to english and uh different mediums and genres and really the narrator there there needs to be more narrators to tell those stories. At any, at any one time I can log online and see 2,000 to 2,500 books, people looking for narrators to tell their story. And with people who are visually impaired, who cannot read a book or perhaps re, you know reading it by Braille, that might like to listen to an audio version. And with the busyness of life, more and more people are plugging into audiobooks as they drive to work and back. And you think about that. Some are even turning off the radio and turning on a narrator book or turning on a podcast now. And for me, it's just an added element that I never thought of before. But when I had got into radio, funny enough, when I left college before I entered ET Canada, there was a couple of radio stations that had approached me to be a news anchor. And at the time, I thought, Ah, boring. I don't want to do news. (laughs) I sit there and read what, like, endlessly. But that's I go out and get a story, come back and read it. Like, no, didn't sound interesting to me. And lo and behold, I am doing some form of that (laughs) right now. (laughs) It's just yeah. Fifteen years ago, I didn't want to do it. I wanted to be out there and you know just like discovering the world. But um, and and now I would even consider a career. In, in news because I have a finer appreciation for words and the story and how you deliver it and letting other people's stories or come to life using yourself as a, as a medium.
0: So the big question is, can you make a living at narration? Oh
1: yeah. And I think that's the biggest dispelment for some people is that you, you, you could, you could a hundred percent make a living From narrating, I wholeheartedly believe that part-time working for this past, you know, 15, 16 months that I've been doing this, probably I would say 15 months, I've done well, you know, and I can say that because I'm going to claim the money. Obviously, it's under taxes. It's uh, it's all it's all on the books, and that's the the wonderful thing about, you know, using a platform like ACX, which is Amazon and Audible, is that they protect the narrator as well as ensuring they protect your work that you've done it doesn't get released back to the client until they've paid you. And I've been paid every time there's never been a, and and I've, I've gained relationships with clients and I've grown those relationships and they will go out and search for books that will be a good fit for me so that they can work with me. And, and, but I think that what's out there, Connie, from what I'm hearing from different uh, clients is that in the narrator world, some people get a little wishy-washy. They're like, they don't understand that when you sign on to a book, that when it says 7 days that it's to be completed the client expects you to have it in 7 days they don't care if your your kid is sick or you are have a birthday party coming up or whatever and much like the media world is unforgiving it's all about the the job really you can't really just like like flake off and you can't deliver a bad product or you're not going to be a narrator for very long. The range of money ranges anywhere from 50 US per finished hour. They call it per finished hour upwards to 500 to a thousand dollars per finished hour. Now per finished hour means exactly as i had said before, if it's a one hour listen time, it's going to take you two hours, roughly to voice it, edit it, produce it properly. It might take you an hour and a half if, you, if you're really good at reading raw and not having to read the book beforehand. And that's another fine tool that, that, that I'll share is that it's really important that you're able to read on the fly because you don't want to spend hours reading a book and then narrating it. You really kind of have to be able to skim through the pages really quick, look at it and go, okay, yeah, um, I got this. And sometimes you'll have to quickly look up a word that you've never seen before and have to phonetically say it or write it down in front of you and you stick little sticky notes on your computer so you can skim over that. So if you think about per finished hour, two hours, 50 US per finished hour. So you're making 50 US for every, say, two hours on the low end. Now, some clients will try to get cheaper narrators and they'll try to get you for like 30, 40 US per finished hour. And some people will say yes to that. I don't my range is a little higher now after, you know, having done this for the past, you know, year and a bit, they will try to haggle you down and you kind of have to say to them, well, you do get what you pay for, right? It's like a cheap pair of boots might only last you three, four months, but a really expensive pair of boots is going to last you two, three years and you'll love them more. Same thing for the quality of work. So it depends on how much you want to work. I think narration could be a great supplementary job with a, maybe another part-time career or a full-time career, unless you really love reading and are good with being by yourself. You could probably make on the low end, anywhere between 500 to a thousand, maybe Canadian a week as a narrator, if you really are working and completing books in a timely manner. So basically a book every two and a half days It seems like a lot of work, but really you're kind of working five hours of reading a day, maybe four hours of reading a day and having a 15 minute break in between. I can read for two hours straight nonstop with water and just keep sipping and being able to, that's the other thing, being able to read and have the consistency in your voice the whole time is, is an art in itself. So you you have to like to hear the sound of your own voice and you have to uh, like being alone. Right. You have to know that in the beginning, it's going to be slow to start, but eventually, you can gradually grow that side of your business. Shape your website if you have one to show that you're a narrator. Use your LinkedIn profile to show you're a narrator. Use every format: your Twitter, whatever, post whatever books you've completed, and 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 uh, tweet that that book is done. The next book is done to keep that growing interest in you as a narrator. And word gets out. And and simply searching, a lot of people search um through ACX but also search on Amazon some of like top narrators and to see who's doing the most books and what their rev- their reviews are like.
0: Right. You're you're kind of fascinating Orlina because the narration isn't the only thing on the go. You've got the morning show, you've got the writing, and you've also got yoga teacher training? <laughs> so to balance
1: life because life moves very fast for all of us and that's the the speed of our lives that we're living now the simplicity of learning to become a yoga teacher and i'm studying hypnotherapy online as well the hypnotherapy is to ta- tie into meditation because i want to be able to help other people quiet the noise for a period of time every day in order to actually be able to strengthen your ability to move at the pace that you are in a healthier fashion so the yoga teacher training in two months i graduate as a yoga teacher end of january i'll be teaching online starting end of february in march when my new website orlanacane.com launches so the yoga teacher training teaching people yoga teaching people meditation even on a smaller scale 10 15 to to a you know 30 minutes a day showing that if you strengthen your mind and mindfulness of your body at a slower capacity you will actually perform better in your job. You actually won't have to work as hard. You will not be as stressed out in your, in your jobs because you can be stressed and life is not going to slow down for us, but you can move slower, at least in your mind, through your day in a calmer fashion. And that's really the philosophies of yoga and meditation is that they're there just like healthy eating, uh, they're there to help assist you to become a more mindful person in this world so that you can actually live better. You look at that, you're like one hour a day of some meditation and yoga can actually help me feel better during the day, can actually help me perform better, have better health, energy, vitality, and be able to deal with the BS of life better. Yeah, that's what, that's what really got me fired up to even embark
0: on that. So what advice would you have for broadcasters who want to branch out of their comfort zone?
1: You know, uh, I would say that I've actually, to, to reference broadcasters that I work with and some people that I speak with on a daily basis, I often hear a lot of wishful thinking that people say, well, you know, I wish I could do that or "Oh, I wish I could do this. And you're looking at the picture in a big, big, big way. You're looking, like they always say, look at the big picture. Well, yeah, you can see the big picture, but you have to look at the the smaller little increments of pictures, the mic, the pixels. Basically, you got to look at the pixels of the picture. How are the pixels going to get together, and, and to create that big picture? It's the littlest things that they can do on a on a daily basis. Uh, I would say that if you are a seeking a career in narration and you want to do the fiction part, or you want to do the nonfiction part have a basis of understanding of books and and knowledge of that, but whatever it is that you want to take on in your life, look at that big picture and break it down into smaller things. Because I never started out thinking I was going to become a yoga teacher or that was even going to work into any part of my career. And in fact, for years, people had been telling me, you move so fast, you really should do some yoga to just like, be able to slow your mind down a little bit so that you'll have longevity in your career. And only two years ago did I even start training at a studio. I never even thought of doing it before, but the best advice to get that I could give anybody that was given to me throughout the entirety of my career and any person that I met. And I've, I've had the fortune of really being mentored by a variety of different people who were older in the profession is that if you start small and you get really good at what you do, that you, you can literally branch out into anything that you want to do. You want to end up working on, on a sports network, but you're working as a news anchor somewhere, start a sports podcast. Start uh, using your social media and just making it all about sports so that you can create an ideology or, or an idea about you that you're already doing it. Because it's all about perception. If people see you already doing what you say you want to do, they're more apt to hire you to do that job. And that's such a crucial piece of information to people is that you not only do you have to be able to see yourself in the position or in the job or in the career that you want, but you also have to be able to visualize that and allow others to see it in you in whatever way you can, in any platform that you can create or or get out there and do. You know, and there's so much out there right now from TikTok to Reels to Instagram to Snapchat. Like there's so many platforms out there now that people are accessing. If you're really good at what you're doing in your profession and you start to showcase that on those platforms, other people will see it, buy into it, and believe it and start offering you the things that, that you want from them. And you have to start uh, socializing and connecting with people who are in the industry or in the career that you want to do. There's a very uh, important book that I read a number of years ago, Keith Ferrazzi. He wrote a book called Never Eat Alone. And I think oftentimes when we're in our careers, we think that we're, it's us against everybody else, that we're in competition with everybody else. We're alone trying to battle through a career, whatever that is on our own, but really, and truly aligning yourself with other people who are doing what you do. And I've been blessed to be able to have that is going to help you in the future. Instead of thinking you're riding in this career, whatever you've chosen solo, so just like I'd said before, when people, it's like, what advice can I give you is don't let the fact that you don't have an opportunity given to you stop you from doing what you want to do. So what's next for Lena Kane? <laughs> what's next for me? Well, Connie, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> it's like, what isn't next for me? Obviously, my next turn is to teach yoga and meditation online. That's going to be the big kickoff for me. And I'm I'm always looking for that opportunity or that connection because for me opportunities are what you create you know possibly working for NBC one day you know what I mean like it's it there's still that you know what they call it the brass ring where you want to just you know just reach just a little further to see if you can grab that but for me mostly it's like becoming an award-winning narrator and teaching yoga and teaching meditation online While I continue to, you know, be in the broadcasting industry, but hopefully being able to influence and inspire others to slow their mind down, learn to become more mindful of themselves on a day to day basis so that they can be healthier and that they can live through things like the pandemic and other uh, maybe horrific obstacles or catastrophes that happen in life in, in a better way. You know, I'm my, my whole goal, my whole life, Connie, is well, to do good while I'm here on this planet, to use my gifts, our talents and my abilities for good and to be of service to other people. When I leave this planet, I, I want to leave it with the feeling that I did good while I was
0: here. Thanks
1: so much for joining us you, Connie. I really appreciate it. And I hope that anybody that hears us will be inspired to take the next leap, take a leap of faith. Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue.